0: you're listening to first fossil oh. And welcome to First Paso, a show where we learn together how to take that first paso toward becoming the best versions of ourselves. My name is Candice Olushala, and today's special guest is someone that I've known his whole life, and I like to call him the secret weapon of the family. So without further ado, please welcome Kelon. I'm sorry. Dr. Kellan Olushala, MD. What it do, Kell?
1: Hey!
0: <laughs> Damn, I thought I'd give you your proper oh name. <laughs> in the- <laughs> Hello, somebody. Hello. Hello. Oh, How are gosh. you? How are you, Kell?
1: <laughs> I am... <laughs> I'm dying right <laughs> now. You're killing <laughs> me. Stop. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I'm great. I'm fantastic. Good. I'm... I'm enjoying California sun. You have to, you should see the weather right now.
0: Yeah, 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 bragging and bragging. I'm, brags. So, uh, I'm right. so
1: sorry, but it's it's, so nice. <laughs> it's it's always sunny in California. Sometimes it's a little too much sun, but still, you can't complain. This is true. This you is know. true. This is true. Yeah. Fair. Yeah.
0: So, dude, uh, how's it been? I miss you. I haven't seen you since what was that September of last year oh yeah 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 I know
1: you guys did come yeah yeah you guys it was the beginning of September I was just taking I was taking step two at that time you guys came to visit in Philadelphia right Yep. Yeah. and
0: literally 24 hours just like Kevin's wedding it was like hey 24 hours of seeing my little brother so yeah. yeah uh that was, can we do yeah, like we, 36 hours next time I think that would be like yeah us, honestly, you know? that would
1: be that that's an improvement that would, that be, would be a, a major improvement
0: if we got yeah, let's, 36 let's, hours let's, to see each other
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and not one. every
0: two years like that's not acceptable.
1: yeah yeah that was
0: a- awesome so why don't why don't you tell? People a little bit about yourself from your perspective.
1: Okay. So yeah, so my name is Dr. Kellan Alushula MD. am so proud of those letters that I worked so hard to get attached to my name. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you know how the struggle Oof! Jesus, <laughs> Holy Spirit. Yes. yes. Um so yes, I'm a medical doctor by degree only, not by profession yet. I am I I just graduated from medical school uh, this past uh, New Year's Eve 2021. So it's been, you know, it's been a bit of time since then. And um, I already had submitted my application for the match. Um, For those of you who don't know, that's basically that it's a, it's, (laughs) I like to think of it as we would do, but basically it's an algorithm. Uh, it's a black box algorithm that nobody really fully understands and is used to match applicants to residency with residency programs. Um, and so I'm basically just waiting for the match results to find out what program I've been matched to. And um, <clears throat> I am also an amateur coach uh, for language Language learning specifically, and also um, medical school. Um, I say amateur because I mean I I only just started this, and it's more of an experimentation. It's an exploration, um, and most of the students that I'm working with are for people who want to learn it, learn a new language. Um, and then I, lastly, um, I am a thinker, and especially focused on education and students and understanding what's, what's wrong with our system, or edu- what's wrong with the educational system, what's going wrong with what our teachers are teaching, what's going wrong with how the students are taking in the information, what's preventing the, the end product, like people learning, what's preventing us from getting the results that we would like to have um so that's that's really I think that's a good summary
0: are you understanding why we call this one the secret weapon yet this is the one I'm telling you he is a thinker which is hilarious because I am an infj slash enfj and my f is probably like 99 and his t is like 99 so great duo this thinker I'm very emotional and he's just like okay yeah but how do we process that and I'm like um
1: I don't know oh my gosh it's, is that not true I'm, no that's totally true like it's so funny like it's listen like the the like even the way that I've I've thought about like the match is it's it's just a very it's a very interesting topic for me as I like watch people panic about the match because everybody, doesn't matter how well you did on your exams in medical school, you will almost invariably panic about the match. And I just, I find it so fascinating to watch people panic because I'm also, I'm over here kind of thinking through my, my anxieties rather than panicking. And so it's kind of helps me manage them, manage my expectations and and sometimes I, sometimes I actually worry sometimes for my colleagues who are panicking because <laughs> I'm just like, you're not managing your anxieties. but, you know, that's, I, yeah, I always process my emotions with just sit down and think.
0: Yeah. I just cry. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Both
1: it's
0: are great. effective. Very true. Very true. Yes. You, you and Kevin both are really intense thinkers, and I'm a feeler. So yeah, I think that's how the three of us balance each other out. So, you know, for me, you guys will you guys will sit down and process something. You'll rationalize it through. Not that I don't sit down and try to process things through, but my emotions oh. have this intense battle with my, my thoughts a lot of times mm-hmm. because I, mm-hmm. I'm i such an empath that I'm feeling what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. It comes with this weighted emotion. And so I can call you guys and I'm very emotional about it. And I want you guys to be emotional with me, but because you guys are thinkers, you guys just go, okay, yes.
1: <laughs> and I, like, have, it, I
0: have to tell myself oh, that gosh. is the equivalent to me going oh my gosh of course <laughs> I, I have to tell myself that or else I won't oh going they didn't get it at all but like you got it completely you just got it from a very intense thinker's perspective which I don't understand very well but I understand you guys very well so it's Jesus was funny in in all of that honestly <laughs>
1: I mean, like I like conversely, I often wish I sometimes I actually wish I could feel more. Sometimes I'm actually frustrated with mm-hmm. the lack of intensity of some of my emotions. But, but you're like absolutely right. Like a lot of the emotions that I do have are manifested in logic and not in like actual emotion. And so sometimes I have to like remind myself that. Oh, you know, even though you just saw this like really terrible thing, it's actually it's okay that you're not crying. You 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 know that you actually do care. It it's just you're just not expressing it with tears and crying And That's okay. Some people don't do that.
0: Yes. I'm the wailer in the back of the church and (laughs) Karen is he's just a straight amen. And that's it. I'm over here like
1: Sarah
0: oh (laughs) Jesus not Sarah no and Kelly's like Sarah wow Sarah wow yeah Sarah Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean I I love that and I love I love how you have stepped into this space of life where you've taken things like language learning I think all all of us all three of us share this deep passion for language learning and Amen. we're, we're all, we're all polyglots, but you're like, you and Kevin, when it comes to language learning, you guys are so great at it. And I, I
1: don't you're pretty good too, though. Like you're actually really good. I don't know what you're saying. Thank you.
0: I guess maybe, I guess because you guys, when you guys study languages, especially you, you like to go into the heart of languages and stuff where I just kind of like to pick it up if I hear it and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And I, I just like listening to it or I like reading it, but you like, you you like to go into like the depths of it. And I see that coming out when you want to talk about medicine, right? Like you, you love going down that analytical side of language learning and medical school and just being a thinker. Right. Whereas I like to feel feel the language. I like to be in the language. I like to experience it while also getting that structured understanding, but why? So mm-hmm. I I like how you've taken I like how you've taken a lot of your journey through life and you've made it into something that you can actually teach other people how to do more efficiently than they think they can whether it is academia, a language, or really anything else, you're just really good at that. And so I'm actually very excited for you to share your first fossil experience. I actually don't know what you're going to share, but I've been with you through a lot of this. So this might be, I'm sorry if I cry or get emotional on this episode, because I feel like I always cry and get emotional when it comes to my brothers, and they don't really know what to do with that. But i'm i'm gonna try to contain myself with whatever you share and i i'm i'm curious what what for you is a first fossil experience that has shaped where you are today Flawless is a Texas-based natural skincare line for all skin types, started by a black woman named Bianca. After she graduated university, she had broken out with cystic acne, dry peeling, irritated skin, and had scabs and scars all over her face. She tried different skincare methods and skincare lines for three and a half years with no success. That's when she remembered the idea of Flawless that God gave her almost four years prior and started making her own natural soaps. The name Flawless came from the Bible verse, Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse seven, which says you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Now, let me tell you, Flawless products have done the trick for me. I absolutely love that they have handcrafted products made in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality and they're free of parabens, phthalates, and sodium lauryl sulfate. The slow-cured traditional cold process method used makes your skin look and feel flawless, baby, and who doesn't want that? So if you're looking for skincare products that are made with care using ingredients that you can trust, go to www.flawlessnaturalsoaps.com. And use my referral code, CANDY4JC, that's C-A-N-D-I-E, the number 4, and J-C, to get 10% off all of your purchases over $10. Choose Flawless and be reminded just how beautiful you are in the eyes of God.
1: So I think I should start with uh, the pre experience to sort of explain I'm trying to set the stage so that it makes sense how I got to the first Paso experience. Okay, And the pre Paso experience was more in high school. And I recall that there was a, there was a video on YouTube that I ran into. It's, I didn't realize it was part of a documentary, which I later found out was called uh, the boy with the incredible brain. It's a documentary about Daniel Tammet, uh, who's, who is a famous person with Asperger's syndrome. And, but the the segment was showing this portion that talked about mm, arithmetic education in Japan, specifically regarding the abacus, the Japanese abacus, which is also known as the Soroban.
0: Okay, wow, wow we've used a lot of big words and so and i can you break down what did you just say air er, er, arithmetic mathematic <laughs> out, so out, abracadabric i i mean i need mean, <laughs> break break so, that down break that down
1: all right so arithmetic is referring specifically to simple simple calculations your addition your subtraction your multiplication your division maybe some square roots or squares and stuff like that um and the abacus is, it, i don't know if you guys know about that it's it's sometimes it's like a wooden sort of square shaped thing and it has beads on it and you move them up and down to count numbers to add things that's, that's basically the abacus. And the Japanese version of it, which has a row on the top with single beads, and those represent five, and then it has four rows on the bottom, and those represent ones. So each column would represent nine when put together. Um, Wait,
0: didn't we use that in Montessori school? I think I had that in monastery so. school when we were... so. For those of you who don't know, yeah, my brothers yeah. and I went to a Montessori school when we first moved to Kentucky in the 90s. And I think we actually did have abacuses to do math with. And then we also had those. Do you remember those like, um, oh, those, they were little like blocks. Beads, those blocks kind of? But they would be like yeah. in sheets of 100 and you could stack them to yeah, say like this yeah, is 100, yeah. 200, 300, 400 or like this is a group of 10. This is. We those. did a lot of math with those as well. Those so fun, I'm just remembering that from being four and five years old and pre-K and K. So that's yeah, that's really cool. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I just had that flashback.
1: So in the video, it demonstrates how in Japan they they teach the kids how to operate the abacus at like blazing speed. And so you'll see these little, you know, eight year olds, 10 year olds, sometimes, you know, some some of them have been doing this for several years. So they may be 15, 17 even. And they are clicking away at this little wooden thing that you, you just, it's so hard to keep up. And you're just like, I don't even know what's going on. And then you get to see them click on that thing without the thing so they're literally moving their fingers in the air and moving around imaginary beads in order to do these massive calculations and so these could be adding like 10 10 digit numbers in three seconds or adding 10 four digit numbers in one second and it's just it's so it's so strange to watch because like to any to any normal like American mind, it just looks like a kid having a seizure and then magically <laughs> getting the answer. But it's just, it's so fascinating. I, I love, I just, it's amazing. <laughs>
0: I'm crying. Um,
1: I think, like, the best part of the video is to watch, like, the national champion literally just sit in front of the computer very calmly, not moving a thing. And the numbers, this is called flash onzon, which is, it's, it's, onzon is Japanese for like blind calculation. So the numbers flash on the screen and they'll flash, you know, 0.1 second uh, for each number. So you only get like a split second to see the number. And 10 of these just like boop, 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 show up on the screen. And then he just calmly takes his whiteboard and writes down the answer and he just shows it to you. And you're just like he just added four 10-digit numbers of what I don't what wow. okay. So Seeing all that just made me so curious and made me ask, oh my gosh, if they can do this, what are we doing? What are we doing over here in America? Like, what, what, how, where are we coming short? Why don't we have people who can just do this? Why isn't this something normal that we just teach kids? Because, like, yes, I do think, and probably a lot of mathematicians would agree, learning how to do basic arithmetic that quickly is probably not practically useful, but you learn a lot in the process. It's a, it's a challenge for the brain. And I think it teaches us, it would teach us a lot of things about ourselves, about our visual spatial memories and, and our working memory. And I just, I feel like it just, it's just, it's just an all around great thing for a child to learn when they're young. And so I think that was a really important starting place for me to sort of shift my thinking towards what can we do to help people learn better and mm-hmm. so that my encounter with that that happened around the end of 10th grade and then around the end of like 11th grade and then going into 12th grade i <clears throat> i think it was actually the summer between 11th and 12th grade i started exploring this question with an experiment, that right there, that was the first possible, the experiment. This the, the video stimulated my choice to go into this experiment where, um, and this was a personal experiment, it's not like scientific anything, just kind of curiosity. I taught some kids at an elementary school, the abacus, and just is just to sort of explore a little bit and you know, I I had been playing with the abacus for about the year before that. So I knew something about it. And I didn't necessarily get to take them very far, because by the end of 12th grade, I decided I needed to stop so that I could focus on my college studies. But I think that was the beginning of me understanding people better in terms of what prevents them from learning as I got to see how two of the kids were really interested in it and got better rather rapidly while two kids were just very disinterested and I found that frustrating but it was an important lesson for me as I could see oh turns out motivation actually matters a lot for learning things you don't just get up and learn them (laughs) yep And so this whole experience has kind of oriented me to really just think about what are all the factors that prevent people from learning things. Mm -hmm. Now, the actual first PASO, I think, started with language learning and specifically towards the end of college. I think it was about March, 2015, like two months before graduation. And I, realized that i'm going to be going to medical school i'm going to be in an environment where there's going to be a lot of spanish-speaking patients um i should probably learn spanish so i was so i i decided to look back at my experiences with my language courses i took four years of chinese education in school and I was frustrated by the fact that I still, I could not speak the language. I could not communicate with people. I couldn't understand what people were saying. And so I, my first hypothesis was there's a clear vocabulary deficit. We need to fix that. And one way to do that is probably reading a lot. And, that was sort of the beginning of me creating my personal hypotheses around language learning that sort of um, stimulated stimu- stimulated my language learning, basically. So as I was transitioning from college to medical school, I think that was, that I thought was an excellent place to really, beca- really begin exploring the question more deeply because I had always held the the hypothesis that there's always a better way to do something. There's always a way that can make it easier and we should look for that better way. But I wasn't really actively testing it until then. So I, I, I realized, you know, going into a difficult and sometimes hostile learning environment, like medical school and also exploring this language learning thing is really the perfect environment for me to explore this question more deeply.
0: That's funny because you said that you like to find things that are easier and ever since you were little the thing that okay so I'm trying to remember for Kevin what it would have been. I don't remember too much right now. But for myself, I was always asking, but why? But why? But why? And that part of me that always wants to know, but why or but how? Was, I think, what led me into liking languages, as well as medicine, as well as music, or understanding people, even the racism in the country. But why? But why, but how, in trying to find the connections for you, you were always saying, but how do I conserve energy? Like, ever since you were, I, I'm telling people this kid, yeah, if yes, he was like, yes. I don't need, I don't need my mitochondria expending energy, it doesn't need to be. So oh my God, You're
1: if that's, so right. not,
0: <laughs> that's not, that's, that's just not that that's not in my schedule today to be expending that energy
1: oh God just not
0: yeah. literally ever since he was in single <laughs> digits that he's like that just takes too much effort and people that, would say that, oh that sounds so lazy but what he's yeah, saying no, is that crazy. like I, I don't want to waste unnecessary energy that can be conserved for something else. Just because I can't quote unquote figure it out, how can I figure it out and not have to waste my time or waste my energy to get it done? And that's led you to this space where you're trying to figure out well, how do I help people or how do I help myself even learn information and it not be so taxing to figure out?
1: Yeah, that, that, yeah, no, that, that is a very good description of me in yeah that, that, was, that was that was spot on that was yeah. absolutely spot on yeah um and so actually that's one of definitely what that's actually one of the first lessons that I want to talk about in all of the exploration that I did of this question because I mean listen listen I yes the, re- the reason I like to say there must be a better way is because I am kind of lazy, but I'm I crying. also I uh, he I, done uh, admit it. He's like, y'all, 100%. I'm
0: lazy. Let me just let me just be real. I don't like to do stuff. I'm tired. No,
1: I I, I can't lie. I just can't. But, <laughs> um, hey, Jesus is watching, okay. Hey,
0: you know, <laughs> you know it, Holy Ghost is watching you, Kellon.
1: Yep, yep. So, but like. I think being in medical school also taught me like, I mean, when you're in medical school, you're working really, really hard, like really hard. And it really made me value rest because I was in such a mode of just like working so hard that I realized, oh, it's not, it's, It's not that I'm always, it's not just that I'm trying to be lazy. It's that laziness is actually good for you to some degree. You need to actually like stop and like take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it also, it also influenced how I think about my Mm self-education because, you know, I was constantly trying to understand, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody should try to understand why they themselves fail to do something without trying to understand why other people also fail to do things. Because, you know, I may be a thinker and you may be a feeler, but we're not all that different. And frankly, when I when I look there, there are just some very common things amongst all of us that can help us see how we're just not all that different therefore there are underlying principles of learning things that can actually work for everybody that can help everybody do things more efficiently and save the energy that they actually need to conserve for the moments where you have no choice but to use that energy mm. cuz like i mean humans we we are so we're so limited in the amount of energy and effort that we can put forth at a time you got you have to save it you you just you have to save it because you you do not know when those moments are going to show up you don't know if that moment is going to be you going going home and you've got some sort of complicated social situation going on at home you don't know if that's going to be you know you're a doctor and now all your patients are suddenly crashing you don't you have no idea what that is. you have to save your energy for those moments that are going to show up and just you know punch you out of nowhere so um
0: wait so how did that take you to how so how hmm how did your wanting to save energy and figure out this hypothesis how you you're talking about medical school so Mm -hmm. so how did this curiosity into this experiment going from language learning into medical school, what, what happened with that hypothesis okay, and so, curiosity?
1: Yeah. So there were a number of things that I was trying to find. I was trying to find commonalities between how I was studying language and how I was studying medicine, find differences, what was working here that I could apply there that would make my life easier. Right. So, so one of the things that I realized is that the reason why people may not feel motivated to do something is not because they're not motivated it's not because they don't want to do it but because the things that they perceive they need to do to accomplish it is it's too energy consuming and that that's me yeah so <laughs> th-
0: that <laughs> I am the I the I my name is Candace and looking at things and thinking of what I need to do is exhausting. I just thought I would share that with the room. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so whenever I see that, whenever I see that, and, and, you know, these kind of, these kinds of people have a tendency to start beating themselves up to be like, oh, I got to stop procrastinating on this and procrastinating on that and procra- Procrastination, we have to be very careful with that because procrastination is, is, in my personal opinion, based on what uh, what I've observed, procrastination is not a symptom of laziness. It is a symptom of a method that's too high energy. And so, for example, Anki. Let's talk about Anki. Anki is a space repetition system. I don't know how many of you guys know about that, but it's it's uh space repetition has become very like in vogue. Anki
0: in... Anki is spelled A N K I, correct?
1: Yeah. Anki. Yes, and it, in fact that that term is also Japanese. I can't remember the exact meaning of it, but it is Anki is an as an app is an application. It's a space repetition system. And it's basically a flashcard program where you can put in um, data on the front and sides of your electronic flashcards, and it will give you the show you the card, test you on it, and you'll say how well you knew it, and then it'll decide when it should show up again um, so that you don't have a chance to forget it. Right. So then it'll start spacing out more and more the space between seeing the card and then seeing the card again. So <clears throat> this, Anki is a very commonly used tool in, in especially in medical school. And it's it's effective. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's effective. And it's also used in language learning. But I think it's so important for us to balance the effectiveness of something with the energy cost of something if it's too energy expensive then is it really like big picture is it really effective is it really effective for you is it yeah. really is it you know if if you have the time and energy to use anki go ahead and use it it will do you much good but but you have to also consider how much energy like how much internal energy you're really using to make that happen cuz i can tell you almost Pretty much across the board. I, I don't know anyone who enjoys using Anki. If you go on Reddit and you see and you see some of the, the things that people post about using Anki, the memes are pretty funny and they're always about how painful it is to use Anki. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like no, nobody likes using Anki, which means it is generally taxing across the board. Mm. So you know and so that's how i started thinking about a concept that i like to call naturally contextualized space repetition wait and you came up with that so i don't think it's really a new concept per se but it's more like an observation of that which already works and oh. then just exploiting it right mm-hmm. so naturally space naturally contextualized space repetition makes it it exploits the fact that learning things in a real life context when it's actually important and relevant to you Mm
0: -hmm.
1: will make it stick a lot better and so for example In medicine, we like to talk about the idea of just-in-time learning. It's really not, it's pretty much the same as that. Just-in-time learning is basically you get to see a patient and you're taking care of that patient. Your patient has problem X. You make sure to review the literature or something on the care of a patient with disease or problem X in order to apply it to that patient and improve their care right there and then. Getting to do that right there with the patient in front of you seems to make it stick a lot better so that you're more ready to do the same thing with the next patient who has problem X. So, um, and I I recognize that this is really not much different from what we do in normal, everyday life. This is how we learn in normal, everyday life. Everything that comes at us is not on a flashcard. It's mm. coming at us in a context that's immediately, directly relevant to us whether it's something that we want to understand or something that interests us or something that we need to understand for our survival or needs or whatever that's how we normally learn and so like thinking about like words you know that's why when i started learning spanish i went directly into reading things that were made by natives for natives i did not waste time with beginner material because I realized that the reading is far more powerful, especially at the beginning of language learning, is far more powerful for soaking up vocabulary because you're getting everything in a real context that matters to you. And also the rate at which you're getting the, the words is much higher than it otherwise would be with like a flashcard app. And and then on top of that, you you get to see the word being used in multiple, multiple, multiple different contexts. And that gives you a clear idea of what the word really means or how it's really used, how natives like to use words. And that helps you internalize how natives use their words so that when you talk, you sound more native-like. And so I figured... This is probably going to be a lot more natural and effective than using something else. So I took that and said, hmm, let's see if I can apply this to medicine. The immediate, the immediate thought was, you know, I'm probably not doing enough questions. In in medical school, we have to do a lot of questions. Like we have question banks. Question banks are literally banks of kind of they're banks of questions. You you can you buy them and we use those in order to prepare for our exams. And I realized that I needed to do a whole lot more of them to really get the, the input that I needed to really understand medicine well. And that's Mm -hmm. how I came to the conclusion that I wasn't doing enough questions. And immediately after doing that, my, my shelf scores on my exams went up like 10%. Wow. Yeah. So basically, the major thing that I learned is methodology is key. Methodology is everything. If you're having an issue with trying to do something, trying to accomplish something, trying to meet your goal, Consider whether it's the methodology and not a problem with your level of intellect.
0: Hmm. That's really important that you say that because when you think of, let's talk about maybe like elementary school where you're learning new things in school and some kids feel as though, well, science is really hard compared to math or Mm -hmm. math is really hard compared to English or yeah, English or English is really hard compared to history or history is really hard compared to music. And they'll tell you that you're gifted in this or you're not so gifted in that, which isn't necessarily a problem. I don't think we're all supposed to be just awesome at every single thing that comes our way. However, just the idea that there are methodologies that can be done. I think our system in America is set up to where they just think there's this one size fits all methodology and because of that students assume that they're just not good at something but it's because they've only been told this one methodology that may or may not actually work for most people. Like mm-hmm. but that that's it. Mm-hmm. That's that is that is the structure that's what they're given and they're expected to make that work. So then I guess my question would be, then what is your take on people who say like, I'm a visual learner versus a auditory learner, or I'm a tactile learner. Like for, so for myself, okay, I'll give myself as an example. When it came to pharmacy school for me, and going into pharmacy school one i didn't realize that over 80% of my class had worked in a pharmacy at some point before pharmacy mm. school i had not right i'm just mm-hmm. coming in and so when they're talking mm-hmm. about stuff in class i sat there feeling like is every everyone is speaking a language that i i don't understand i'm reading the material mm. i'm reading the textbook i i'm I feel so incredibly lost in this world where people are speaking as though they understand each other. And when I didn't pass my antibiotics course, that was one of the first things that my teacher said. My teacher said, you are the first student that I've had in the 30 plus, 40 plus years of my teaching experience where i I've not thought of teaching a student who had not already been in a pharmacy prior. I've always taught my students as though they've been around drugs in a pharmacy. So I don't have to say certain things. Hmm. Or I don't have to do certain things. He said, I think for you, if you get into that world and then you come back, all of a sudden you'll go, Oh, and he was absolutely right. So when I, I didn't pass my antibiotics class, by one point three percent, and he was so frustrated because he saw how hard I was working. I pretty much had a cot in his office, might as well just have pulled it out from under his desk every time I walked in. <laughs> I literally was like, "I do not understand." And I will say, students, this is just a side note. As someone who is an educator and everything, please, please, I don't care how scary your teacher is. I don't care how how you feel about that educator. If you truly honest to god do not understand something please don't spend the rest of your semester going well i just didn't understand and i'm frustrated because the teacher's not talking a mm. language that i understand say something Amen. about that to that teacher because the teacher okay. the teacher's in a classroom with a whole bunch of other students they can't just use their telepathy and go student in row 3 seat c8 is not understanding the words coming out of my mouth like, no, that's on you. You have to do that. You oh, have goodness. to get past your fear of someone because it's it's your education. It's your ability to learn. And sometimes you do go to that professor and really what they said in class is all they know how to say, which is unfortunate. Mm. But you did go out of your way to try to get help. And it's better to try to do that in case you get the help you need versus not. And so that's, that was just my educator's two cents. But going thank to that you. professor. That was, mm. Thank
1: you. Thank
0: you. I'm just saying I just I, I get frustrated for, for students who do that. So I went to this teacher and he knew I was after every class he I was like are you coming with me because he already knew I was coming. So he's like do you want to grab lunch and then just meet me in my office. And that's how earnest I was to try to figure this out. And so when I didn't pass he literally gave me the assignment to spend my semester off school to get back into the program. The next year, he said, your job is to find a pharmacy job. Do that while you study for the next year. And then let's mm-hmm. see what happened. So I went from mm-hmm. having like a 60, I think I 68.7% mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the class the next year. I was on one of the top students in his class, but because Mm -hmm. I was in the world, I was in it. Mm -hmm. I was, I was soaking it in. So then when we got to class and students were again, speaking as though they had been in that space before I was going, Oh yeah, me too. I absolutely understand what you're saying. I completely get it Mm -hmm. now. And this is, I could teach, I could tell someone else I can explain it to my classmates where before I couldn't even explain it to myself. (laughs) And so I did that with another teacher who a lot of people didn't even like her because of her teaching style that like, she doesn't just give us the answers. And for me, I've never liked teachers like that, that just give us the answers. I want my brain to figure out how to do things. And I like mm-hmm. the challenge of my brain, figuring it out when other yeah, people can't. Yeah. And cause I don't want my brain to be lazy to where i hit my older years and then my brains never learned how to reason and mm. you end up putting yourself mm. in a panic and saying i don't know what yeah. to do i don't know how to approach this i don't know how to, i don't even know where to start and as a tutor right now i hear that a lot from students who say mm. I, well i don't know i just need you to give me this stuff and i'm like uh-uh you came to the wrong tutor no son no ma'am <laughs> that is not what's happening your brain works. And I had a teacher Mm. in farm school who was like that when students would get mad that she wouldn't just give you the answer. she always said, your brain works. So use it. And so if you, if you, Mm. you knew, you knew that if you went to her office and you said, Hey, can you explain this to me? She would open her drawer. she would pull out a whiteboard marker, hand it to you. And she'd just say, draw. That's it. That's all she would do. She wouldn't even, she's like, I love that. If you can draw it, you know it. So Mm -hmm. she'd say, Go up there and draw me what your brain is processing. And then explain Mm -hmm. it to me how your brain is processing it. Cool. Mm -hmm. So I would go up there and I would draw. Mm -hmm. And then I'll explain it to her. And then she'd go, Okay. She'd grab a different color marker and she might erase things that weren't quite accurate. And go. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, let's take this away. And what if I put this here? Now what? I'm like, oh. She's like, see, you knew it. I love That's, that. it. Like, That's it. I That's it. That's how that. she taught us. So sometimes we would be in a circle in her in her office, all mm-hmm. of us with, with markers, and mm-hmm. she'd go, "Okay, you go up to the board and draw that. Does is that how other people would have drawn it? Is that how you picture it? Okay." How do you picture it? Can you draw it in a different spot on the whiteboard? Okay, but are these the same? Like, even though you drew mm. them completely differently, is it actually the same concept? It is. It's just this is how your brain processed it. This is how your brain processed it, and it's actually both correct. Hmm. So, you don't have to feel that. like you don't understand it. You just, you both process it very differently, but mm-hmm. it, you both understand it well.
1: Mm-hmm. Or like,
0: oh, you see where you're, This you see the discrepancies in what you guys are processing. So one, which one of you is right? Are both of you right? Are both of you wrong? Is one of you right? Is one of you wrong? And how do you fix this part of the pathway that you've processed in your mind to make it make sense according to what is actually accurate? And that was it. Mm -hmm. It was, she just asked us questions and told us to draw. That was it. That was how she taught us. And probably I did way better in classes that had me reason and try to process things than teachers that just gave it to me. Because at the end of the day, when it came to actually having to apply on an exam, I didn't know how to do it because I didn't get to practice that all semester. They just mm-hmm. kept feeding me the answer. So I love, I love recognizing that our brains are Are able to reason even though it might not look the same way as the next person but we have these innate really unique ways of processing information that comes to us and at the end of the day we can all learn the same material Mm -hmm. right like it's doable Mm
1: -hmm. it is
0: doable but you have to allow your brain to do it Mm -hmm. this is why students go into a panic they say i have testing anxiety you don't have testing anxiety. You didn't practice applying it. You didn't get into yep. it. You you yep. you spent the whole time memorizing just random things, and so you've like memorized random words, and you never practice putting them into sentences. That's how I see it,
1: right? That mm. that is right? yet another lesson that I ended up learning as well in this whole process. You know, because that like that like that. Uh, it honestly, I don't I don't think I even have any words to add to that. Like that. Because I, I, I still don't understand, I don't, I don't understand what, okay, no, I can't say I don't understand what test anxiety is. I think the first time I actually had test anxiety was when I actually felt that I just didn't quite have enough time to prepare for a test. And then at that point, I was just like, oh my gosh, I should not be going to, thankfully I passed and it was fine. But that was the very first time I had experienced testing signing I was like, oh, so this is what this feels like. Oh, I've never yeah. felt this before. This is so strange. Yeah. But I'm like, listen, like, listen, no, nobody, nobody. If I gave if you had never played the violin before and I gave you sheet music and I gave you a violin and said, you need to perform this concerto like tomorrow. Good luck. <laughs> Like, are you going to have some performance anxiety? I mean, you know, probably, especially if you're in front of, like, the president or something, right? Like, And and so I find it, like, I find it funny when people say they have test anxiety because I'm just like, that's really just a symptom of poor preparation, whether it was you didn't have enough time or you didn't make enough time, probably the latter, because other students are okay, you know that's suggestive so yeah but no i think you put it very beautifully thank you you were asking the question about the mode like the different like the kinesthetic and like yeah right that's
0: that's what my whole spiel was technically trying to relate to it's the the ability to I, i find pictures fascinating not because mm-hmm. like I like picture books, like that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I don't want to read unless it. It, like it has a picture. I'm just saying, like, because our world is so visual and tactile. I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the beauty of the world that we live in. There's so mm-hmm. many of our senses that assist each other in how, how an item is just even formed. Like just being able to mm-hmm. look at my hand, it's like it's smooth. It has grooves. It has. There's a scent. There like there's so many things that in my Mm -hmm. when I close my eyes, I can picture a hand at any time. And it's all encompassing. It's not just what my hand sounds like when I clap or what my hand feels like when I rub it together. But Mm -hmm. there's there's the there's the color, there's the the texture, there's a lot that goes into it. And so I'm even in this space where I'm like, is it does it make sense to say that you're a tactile learner or a audio visual everyone's i think everyone is an audio visual learner because it's our whole world is audio and visual and tactile it's it's all those things we i think Mm -hmm. we best learn when most more of our senses are are in the experience and using just one yeah it it feels incomplete right and Mm -hmm. i think that's why you were talking about like just jumping in and reading because Mm -hmm. the word dog that's so abstract compared to Mm -hmm. talking about the dog and what does the dog do and how does the dog move and what does the dog feel now you have this Mm -hmm. you have a a a 3d almost picture of Mm -hmm. a dog versus just a d and o and a g next to each other
1: there we go is that what that is is. exactly that is exactly what it is like because i know like reading just in court i mean it's a whole experience so right. it's like you're entering a world
0: mm. and
1: so all the words now they now have a cuz i i like to think of language as you know when you're trying to hmm, how do i put this so words by themselves or, or, let, let's go smaller letters letters by themselves they don't have any meaning outside of words. Words by themselves, they just don't, they don't have any real meaning outside of sentences. And even sentences, they have some meaning, but they gain more meaning when they're in the context of a more more encompassing idea, right? So really, language is more, it's about communication. You need to see the big picture. You need to see... You don't need to see just the forest or just the trees. You just, you need to see how the forest or or how the trees come together to make the forest. Mm. And that's when you can sort of internalize that that's why this tree is there. And that's why this tree is there. They all have their specific places and purpose. And you shouldn't just study one tree by itself. It just doesn't make sense.
0: And you this is just why study, babies that's are.
1: Stroke, you know?
0: That's that's why babies are sponges, right? Oh yeah, because their mm-hmm. first, however many years before you start teaching them a b c d, right? They mm-hmm. are, they're soaking everything up by what they're watching people do repetitively, mm-hmm. right? It's a and repetition, they're and they're seeing yeah. it in context, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. okay, for example, our our niece has been learning how to wave recently so first oh yeah we were always we would wave to her and we would wave to her and we'd always say it was like hello or hola caita, right and we kept doing the same thing over and over and then we would do it with each other hola hola waving and looking at each other and doing this motion to where you would literally watch her it was like she just wanted to study the the experience of what was happening Mm -hmm. before her and all of a sudden you would say hola to her and she would just wave and it's like okay so you you've put it you you speak, you have processed it in your nine eight nine month old brain that when you hear that sound of hola or when you hear that sound of hello that it goes with this motion that people respond to no one spelled that for her no one told her wave was w-a-v-e but she'll under now when she learns of the word, it'll just be an added part of that picture her picture has just become even more colorful.
1: Yeah, right and yes. that's
0: it. I Wow, Kel, this is fascinating.
1: That's, yeah, yeah. so I think what's really cool I I did get to watch this really excellent uh, YouTube video recently and I think I think it was by Veritas. Um, and they always like to do these like little discussions of like scientific topics and things. And they talked about this issue of multimodality learning and showed, and they they described an experiment that has actually been that was performed, where they had kids, basically, they like split them up into groups based on what they said oh, I'm a visual learner, or oh, I'm an auditory learner. Oh, I'm a kinesthetic, right? So they would give them the material for the thing they wanted them to learn based specifically on what they were asking for. And so everyone was only getting a portion of information, right? And so as a result, people say they're an auditory learner, but they demonstrated that they weren't really doing any better than the visual learners or the kinesthetic learners mm-hmm. but when everyone got everything everybody did really well mm-hmm. it's and really so modalities of learning is really just um it's really if you're not getting another modality you're just getting less information right that that's literally it right and so like why 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 hinder yourself by not letting yourself get all the information that's going to make the difference in your learning so um but there I do
0: I do have a quick question sorry to interrupt you Mm -hmm. so then Mm -hmm. so do you think that people when they say that I am an auditory learner I'm a visual learner do you think that for them it's more of a I think it best clicks when this piece is part of the bigger picture so I think that's kind of how I feel when I say I'm a visual and audio audit not auditory a visual ta- tech tactile learner not that everything else isn't important but something about those aspects for me seem to make things go oh like way easier when they're part of the experience versus not so like when if okay so in school like if I was reading a textbook and it was mm-hmm. just words and words mm-hmm. and words and words I would I would be so overwhelmed but if you gave mm-hmm. me a a figure I could literally look at the figure mm-hmm. study it probably explain it based on the figure and then I would go to the words and go oh yeah that's exactly what I figured out but the other mm-hmm. way around would be like what what? what 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 is happening i don't yeah. understand so like in in okay we're guys we're getting really nerdy here but mm. bear with us okay so in pharmacy school we have similar to medical school we have our in-class lectures but then we also mm-hmm. have lab or on um oski's right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and OSCE, for those of you who don't know that's like when we were tested in a in a for us in pharmacy school i don't know if it's different for you guys but it was more of like an assimilation of what we're doing. So it's like a an actor as a patient and we have to basically mm-hmm. apply it with the patient and be graded mm-hmm. on how we do. Okay, so that's our oski mm-hmm. So in class, we would go through the lecture. I'm listening to it, I'm watching it. I even listen to the lecture the the asynchronous material before I get to the lecture. And in my head I'm going, I really need to be in lab. Like I mm-hmm. I'm I feel so lost with what's mm-hmm. happening and then we would do it in lab and all of a sudden it's like boom boom, boom 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 all of a sudden everything's like clicking 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 and i'm like this makes sense now and i and i mm-hmm. always said i wish it was the other way around where they would put me in the situation because that's what lab was lab was basically creating a fake pharmacy world that we had to step into and we mm-hmm. just did it Mm-hmm. Which was similar to work for me. I just was put into the world of pharmacy. They said, do it. And I'm watching mm-hmm. other people do it. And I'm like, I can, I can do that. And I would do it. And then I would go read about the why behind it. And now the why made way more sense mm-hmm. than trying to learn the why first and then go do it. I always mm-hmm. felt I so that's when I said I felt like I feel like I'm a visual tactile learner, is that the words even though they they make sense when i read them they somehow make sense more depending on the order in which i get to see them do i get mm-hmm. to see the, do i get to test it and try it out first and then mm-hmm. read about it or am i reading about it first and then having to apply that for some reason the mm-hmm. application first always mm-hmm. it made pharmacy school a lot easier when i found ways to do that and in fact now that i'm thinking back when I was studying anatomy and physiology, that was the first time mm-hmm. in my life that I was the top student in any class. In mm-hmm. all of in every single anatomy section, I had the highest grade. But what I was mm-hmm. doing, I wasn't just reading the textbook. Mm-hmm. I actually was recording myself, teaching myself. Like I was drawing everything out, what mm-hmm. I was reading. I had to mm-hmm. actually draw it while and mm-hmm. I'm recording myself. And I would basically watch myself teach myself later. After Mm -hmm. I would do that, then when it came to lab, I would go to lab with my janky Motorola cell phone and I would Mm -hmm. record every single part of lab
1: because I knew you only had
0: like they gave you like three hours on a Sunday to go into lab and try it out. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I would go in and I would go to our lab, uh, our lab TAs and go, "Okay, This section, this station is the skin. Mm -hmm. talk me through the skin while you're pointing to it, while you're taking it apart and I'm going to record it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so now I'm watching this video. I've recorded all these videos. I've put it on my YouTube channel, which by the way, if you need help with anatomy and physiology, my YouTube channel still has all those videos. So my, my, (laughs) my go to candy, C A N D I E the number four and JC. If you need anatomy videos, they're still there from like 2013 or something. So, I would record it, watch it, and then I would go to my room, watching mm-hmm. the videos and connecting it to the words in the textbook. I've mm-hmm. never done so well in a class in math. Like anatomy was the easiest class I'd ever done. What got hardest was when I had to do physiology, because then mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, I can't, I can't see the physiology i can't mm-hmm. watch it working in the body mm-hmm. and i want to so how i start? so basically i just started hunting mm-hmm. Like, because anyone made like a animated video so i can actually see these molecules moving through into and out of the cell so the I'm like mm-hmm. now it's making sense because you you can't mm-hmm. make a physiology lab right like you 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 can't make cells that have sodium and potassium coming in and out of the cell so that was the part where I had to work even a little bit harder to find that Mm -hmm. but I I did I still was the top student in the class Mm -hmm. that semester too so I don't
1: know I just like I so I think what's really I think okay there's there's like a number of really interesting points that I that you brought up but I think what happened there feels Almost exactly the same as what happens when you're learning a new language and you're trying to read something right from the beginning, and you don't like a lot, like for it's kind of like what happened with mom. Because, like,
0: sorry, mom, right? So, we're calling so you out. yeah,
1: yeah, we're calling you out. So, um, one of the people that I coach is our mother. Um, because she really wanted to learn Spanish for quite some time and one of the things I kept pushing her to do was hey you should read hey you should read hey you should because I believe so so much in the power of reading and I've seen how if you do it correctly it's actually really easy and really engaging mm-hmm. at, even from the beginning when you have a vocabulary of literally like zero mm-hmm. so I was trying to push her into it and she'd be like, oh yeah, okay. And then she would like dodge and she would dodge and you would like procrastinate and hesitate. And so I I started making these hypotheses about why is she hesitating? Why is she hesitating? And she'd be like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, right. And so I'm thinking those are all probably signs that it's probably that the task is too energy intensive. But it's not an energy intensive task, which means she's doing it wrong. So I showed her that really all you need to do, it's very simple. Take the text you're looking at, throw it into Google Translate, and do a little deduction. Doesn't actually take much effort, right? And so when you're doing that, you are taking the concepts that you already know in your first language and just linking them. With the words in the second language, yeah. right? So that's so the reason that you couldn't understand what you were reading has nothing to do with your inability to comprehend things you're reading. It's that you didn't even have the definitions of half the words you were probably reading. Right. So it just you didn't have real life experiences that you've already had in this life with that stuff. And so I mean, of course it is not gonna click. You just you just never experienced it before, and so I think that. Like all of that, it it seems like just a natural consequence that would happen with probably anybody. I mean, even with me, like I would try to read that the anatomy textbook I had and like good God, I I couldn't even read that crap. It was so confusing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is talking about. And so I like um the app that I use was Essential Anatomy 5, which I think they've made some unupdated app by now. Um But that app saved my life. Like I would, because you could literally turn the body around and follow this artery to that artery to that artery to that artery. And I would just go through the whole thing, explore the whole thing, and then I would have a nice picture in my head. And then I would stand up and I would explain to myself, so... The brachiocephalic artery comes from the aorta, and the brachiocephalic artery gives off this branch and that branch, and then this branch gives off this branch and that branch, and then, then the other branch gave off the and I would just kind of do that for a very long time in my room. And then um, and then you know, then I then that gave me the 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 framework to go a little bit deeper and apply it to the clinical context. So patient comes in with problem xyz you know which nerve is affected and then i you know it was a lot easier to go in down that rabbit hole a little bit um, and you know it was i i was i was always very grateful for the, they would always give these like really these small like clinical blurbs that sort of tries to describe the really common syndromes mm-hmm. and that's actually so this is this is something else that i want to talk about commonness common things are common common things are common if this is like such an important concept in learning that if you miss this please everybody pay attention if you're listening (laughs) pay attention common things are common yep uncommon things are uncommon common things are common, therefore, they are important. Uncommon things are not very common, therefore, they're not as important. Space repetition is there to help us remember things, and there, but but using an electronic space repetition system like Anki is very taxing. But common things are common. Therefore, why do you need to use Anki to start learning a language? You don't. Because common things are common. The most important words that you actually encounter in real life are the ones that you're going to remember most easily because mm-hmm. they're common. Because yeah. they're going to show up in like every other paragraph. So I always find it funny when people say, uh, "For the first thousand words, I always use Anki," and I'm thinking, "That's really energy expensive. You could just read a book, right? Because you're you're gonna run into the words a bazillion times, and you're gonna run into them in very different contexts. You're gonna know the words a lot better if you just read something, just anything. I don't care what, just read something." But yep. People seem to be really sold on Anki. And I'm just like, save your energy, man. Save it for something else.
0: (laughs) But isn't that what we're taught, you know, like in school? How, for example, in second grade, you're given a 10-word spelling list. Like, here's your list. Memorize it. Spell it. Oh, gosh. And that's it. And then next week, you get another 10. Memorize it. Spell them.
1: next week memorize spell next
0: week memorize spell that's it like it's it's something that we're taught from such a young age that now it becomes a foundational way of learning and then we get into our adulthood and we're like i don't know how to learn like this is so hard this is so extra and in reality it might not be versus for example i lived with this little girl from argentina who was trying to learn english and she would just watch youtube kids shows and I like that she was watching shows and movies that she had already seen in Spanish, okay? Yeah. yeah and then yeah, she would yeah, watch yeah, it yeah. in English, and she would recognize words that kept coming. She would just be listening, and she's like, "They've said this word like a lot. What does that mean?" And she was three. She was three, so she would look at me, and she would ask me in Spanish, like, "Por qué dicen her?" Her, her, what does that sound? I've heard it so many times. Her, her, her. What does that mean? And she would ask me in Spanish, like, why do they say the this her all the time? I keep hearing it. You pick up on things that are repetitious. She heard it, Mm -hmm. right? And so she would Mm -hmm. I would tell her and all of a sudden by the end of the week, she understands the whole movie. And but the thing is she already understood the movie because she saw it in her own language first. That's how I mm-hmm. taught myself Spanish in Ecuador so fast. People kept telling me, well, wow, you're one of the you're the you're the one missionary that has learned our language faster than any other missionary that has come here who didn't already speak our language. What have you been doing? And I said, I've been taking songs, songs specifically, mm-hmm. songs, movies, videos, and I'm mm-hmm. finding things that I've already seen or listened to in Spanish. I don't know, mm-hmm. I'm t- it must've been the Holy Ghost cause I kept praying about it. I'm like, I wanna learn, I have to learn this language fast because I'm a teacher and I need to teach my students. So what can I mm-hmm. do? And it just became a thing where I was watching and listening to things that I have already seen. Like I would watch the Lion King. I can quote the Lion King in my sleep from the number of times that I've watched it since I was a kid. And then I would sit down Mm -hmm. and watch it in Spanish. And I'm realizing I actually already understand everything that they're saying. The Mm -hmm. only job I now have is to attach what I already know in this language to this one. I already know this. Mm -hmm. So now I just have to say when they say this word that I can now associate it with what I already know they're saying in English. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it made listening mm-hmm. and watching the movie so much easier or listening and learning a song so much easier because I know it. I already know this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's,
0: that's it. That's literally that's, it.
1: And Versus that's like, common, common I know the color red. Really well.
0: Yeah. Like I know the color red. I see it on a box. I see it on my microphone. I see it on a blanket. But I've seen red so many times that now when I see red, I know red anywhere.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Right. Like, I just uh-huh. know that's red. So, uh-huh. OK, so all all of that to say. I think you've touched on it throughout this conversation, but uh-huh. how how does this. So First off, how did this help you in medical school specifically and uh-huh. how you figured out learning and applying language learning to your medical learning and then now just learning in general how does how has it helped you not just in medical school but in life and two mm-hmm. how do people take this take the lessons list off those lessons in like short sentences for us
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do people take those lessons and just apply it to life where mm-hmm. maybe they're a student and they're struggling to study or Maybe they're trying to, it doesn't even matter what they're trying to figure out if it's cooking something or how to do their finances or just understand finances, understand this world of something that they've never really stepped into or had to before. But just the idea of having to start sounds so exhausting that they don't want to approach it. How, had, how did you applying this to your studies help you in the long run? And how do the top, I don't know, three lessons that you have apply to life?
1: Okay, so number one, I want to say, as I've already said, methodology is key. Find a method before you say you can't do it. Don't say you can't do it. It's a lie, okay? Don't don't sit there and lie to yourself. Mm. There is a way, okay? if you, And like... There are people in this world who have almost certainly already walked down the same path you are about to walk, or some version of it. You can pick their brain. You can steal. You can talk to these people. It's not like they have they they have a patent on their way of learning. Like you, you you're you're allowed to learn. You're allowed to stand on the shoulders of giants. Let's put it that way. So go find some giants, stand on their shoulders, and you'll probably find that they have methodologies that they've already figured out that they can just hand over to you. And what's really amazing is, especially like with our generation, I feel like I'm seeing it a lot, like millennials posting YouTube videos about things that people struggle with. Like not not too long ago, I like, like, I think like you get to see like medical students who are literally top of their class, literally just giving away their secrets for why they're top of the class. They're dropping gold guys. Just go <laughs> pick it up. It's free. <laughs> like, like just if you can't find a method that's going to work, somebody's done it. Go get it. Number two is, I think is really important because I think, What's, it's so cool to see the development of brilliant ideas amongst our generation because I think a lot of us are starting to understand the importance of curiosity mm. and the importance of how we need to we need to be careful about develop about avoiding the development of learned helplessness. Avoiding uh, the development of "I can't" statements, mm. yeah. you know, because they end up killing your curiosity. Wow! you're not you're not going to explore something if you already don't think you're going to be successful. Wow! You're just you're just not going to. Wow! And so I think it that you know if. If you want to be successful, you need to look at people who are successful. You need to observe genius. And in my observations of genius and asking why they succeed, all I see now that I've observed them for this long is that they're just they're just normal people who are really curious about something. Mm. You know? And you don't, the one thing that's really preventing you from being like them nothing to do with your intellect is that either you're not curious or your curiosity just hasn't gotten you there yet. That's okay too. Hmm. Um, but curiosity is what stimulates it, it stimulates it it causes you to ask questions. And that's really what gets things started. And that's what leads to experimentation. And experimentation is really key. And I think we have to be careful about experimentation itself and how we process experiments. Experiments are not failures. Neither are they successes. They're just error messages. Mm. They're all just error messages. So you have massive objectives X, right? And you want to go forward, you 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 try to do an experiment. So if you if you are not, if if you are too busy thinking, I need to succeed at this experiment, I need to succeed at this, I need to succeed at that, you're gonna get so bogged down by that that when the experiment fails, you're gonna be like, oh no, what a failure. I can't reach my goal, blah all distraction what you got was an error message telling you this is not quite the way Mm -hmm. and you can use that so really when you when your experiment fails you should get up jump for joy and be like i now i'm now closer to my goal than i was before because functionally speaking you actually are Mm. and as we do more experiments and as we develop that that the curiosity that that becomes experiments, that becomes passion, that constant driving force, that will take you to the realms of where geniuses are living.
0: Wow. That, if you
1: want to reach genius, let your curiosity take you there.
0: Yes. Let,
1: let it do what it wants to do.
0: Yes. Yes. And I I I love that concept of. It's, it starts with, it just starts with a grain of curiosity. That's it. And mm-hmm. you're literally one, one curious thought away from being brilliant in anything really. Yeah. And I like that you talked about failures versus success because I think now that we've put, th- we, those words are out in the world. It, 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 they're really killers of curiosity. So knowing that it's not that you can or can't, but it's you're curious enough to, that's it. Like curious mm-hmm. enough to keep seeing and keep going and digging a little deeper and digging a little deeper until all of a sudden you've learned so many things. Mm-hmm. And that's where even figuring out your, your passions or your, your purpose I think curiosity leads you to your purpose it leads you to your passion it leads you to stepping into that space of going oh I was curious enough to end up here I don't Mm -hmm. think I would have gotten here had I not been curious and so I I thank you so much for sharing this with my audience and for sharing it with me I it's funny the way that you've said all of that I realize that a lot of what you said I've believed and seen, but I don't think I would have never I would have ever put it so so well in a box the way that you did. To realize, like, oh, I've been realizing this the whole time. I just didn't realize that that's 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 what this means. That's Mm -hmm. why I think this way. That's why I've processed this side of life before in this manner. So I I thank you really truly. Guys, we're we're all geniuses. Let's just we're all geniuses and (laughs) and our our curiosity can take us into that realm all over the world. And that's liberating to know. So I Mm. thank you so much for sharing your experience, your journey. And how can how can people reach out to you if they wanted to contact you, maybe even be coached by you? with something related to learning okay. languages or, or medicine, they a medical program, whether it's medical school, pharmacy school, nursing, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Are,
0: are you on clubhouse? Are you on Instagram? Like where, where can people find you or how can they contact you?
1: I am technically on clubhouse and Instagram, but I don't check them that much. So I'm going to give you my email address instead and this is the one that I use specifically for coaching purposes. It's language learning with Kellon at gmail.com. That's all what like language learning with Kellon, that's all one thing, no periods or anything. My my first name is spelled K-E-L-L-O-N. And um yeah, shoot me an email. And yeah, we can we can absolutely talk about coaching, depending on how busy. I am I may or may not put you on a wait list but I will do also do my best not to leave you hanging so I may be able to provide resources that can give some of the same effects as coaching if I can't directly coach you so still reach out even if you think I might be busy just 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 reach out yeah
0: awesome. Thank you Kellen. I appreciate you and thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode if there are any, topics in the future, any guests that you want on this show, please shoot me a DM on social media at Candice Olushala. You can also reach me on my website at www.firstbasso.com Send me a message there and let me know how you resonated with this episode. I think it's unique, but it also makes sense when you break down how we do learn and process material in the world naturally. And so why not keep using those natural methods that come innate to us just from being born in the rest of our lives. And this might take a couple of listenings to to really pick up on that and break those lies from our mind of the I can't and I or I shouldn't or I mustn't. And just allow our curiosity to be planted in this world that's filled with opportunities to learn so much and grow and be matured in that. So please let me know how you thought of this episode as well. And always, if you want to support, the best thing you can do is share this podcast, let other people listen to it, subscribe, rate. And hopefully, I'll have you guys keep coming back here. Thank you guys for the support that you've already done. And thank you guys for going on this journey of taking first fossils together. Each fossil takes us into another fossil and it's important to do these together because like kellen said there's so much out there that we do no matter the culture that we come from there's just things that are just naturally human that are just in us and when we realize that we can take these fossils together it helps us expend less energy, right, Kel?
1: <laughs> we, expend
0: le- <laughs> we expend less energy taking those steps. And so let's do this together, guys. I appreciate you all. Kelan, I love you dearly. Thank you again for being on my show. And we will obviously talk soon because we talk pretty much every day. So <laughs> love you, Kel. We'll talk soon. Take care. All right. Thank you for having me. It was Absolutely. amazing. bye Absolutely. Bye.